Central New York and hello hockey fans all across the internet and welcome to the Central New York Hockey Report. I am your host Scott Kinville and it's been a little while. We uh, we took last week off. Uh, schedules, just schedules are just ridiculous at this time of year. Nobody can seem to get on track. That mainly my fault. I'll just I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it. I was available. Yeah, you were actually was, yeah. for once. For, for once, once, it was you that was available. Yeah. And here I am. Oh no, I got to do this work stuff. And I then, was like, yeah, fine. You know, and I had college <laughs> stuff going on, and then, yep. you know, just life in general. You know, it's it, it hey, is what it is. Look at that hat Jordy has on. I know. Look at this, dude. We're all dressing alike. Everybody is rocking the yeah. Central New York Hockey Report hats. <laughs> I love it. By the way, if you want one, you can go to cnyhockeyreport.com uh, backslash merch. <laughs> You couldn't and even you could, I know, it's terrible. And uh, you could get your own. Uh, we have them in different colors. It, it's awesome. So you should go check it out. But anyways. I like that Colgate covered. Yeah, see? Yeah, I got yeah. you that one. You like that? That was, that was snagged from my hands, though. Was it? Yes. Uh-oh. <laughs> the mayor wants to run. I, I was it. just going to say, at least it stayed in the house, right? Yeah, That's it did. It, it did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get this uh, this show on the road here. Before we get going, I want to welcome Jordan Brockway back to the show. It's been a few weeks since we've seen you. How you doing, pal? Uh-oh. He doesn't have any audio. <laughs> Come on, Jordy. Oh, were- boy. <laughs> Come on. Oh, no. Here we go. He had audio. I don't he understand. Had, I didn't. I didn't. Mute. He's not muted. Okay. Um, uh, oh, I fixed it. There we go. All right. Yeah, there you go. All right. Whatever you do, don't hit that button again. Okay. I didn't hit it. So that, that's been part of the last couple of weeks is this whole setup is a mess. Ah, gotcha. I gotcha. Well, let's get going before you become a mess again. So... This show, uh, the AHL, the American Hockey League, has pretty much hit the uh, nominal halfway point of the season as they are going to be going into the All-Star Classic, which is taking place out in San Jose uh, this Sunday and Monday. Uh, the Utica Comets, one of the two teams that we cover, uh, the Syracuse Crunch being the other, uh, have two more games to play this weekend. Uh, t- uh, tonight, as a matter of fact, we're recording on Friday afternoon. And on Saturday night against the Toronto Marlies, uh, the Crunch have a couple games as well. We're going to do there at the break show next week. But this is our, uh, our season review so far since uh, they're rolling into their break. We want to take a look at what's going on this season with the Comets. Uh, what do we like? What don't we like? And what do we see for the future? So they've played 40 games so far. Uh, they have an overall record of 17, 16, 4, and 3 for 41 points. They're in sixth place in the North Division. Uh, they got 32 games remaining, so that's why I said it was like the nominal halfway point. Because, yeah. Anyways, who's counting? Yeah. Um, Nobody's checking your math. <laughs> they better not. <laughs> they better have a calculator if yeah, they do. Really. <laughs> so anyways, Jordy, overall thoughts on the Comets this season? Oh, it's been a mess because you see <laughs> to put it bluntly. <laughs> Shut yeah. up. God, he sugarcoated well, he that. Came, <laughs> he came out firing today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I couldn't believe it. Yep. Go on, Jordy. So don't sugarcoat it, buddy. <laughs> Listen, the sound's gonna call. Let me talk, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you've had the up and down of Wilman, Chris Gulo, Nemich is now up for the foreseeable future if everybody continues to get hurt. And with that, there's been a little bit of an issue of finding your scoring. I mean, looking at the stats, Clark is doing a lot better than he did last year. He ended in with about, what, 26 last year? And he's already got 17 through half a season. 
Yeah, and, and that's with a couple games in New Jersey. Yeah. So he stepped up, and with that, I mean, you've seen Schmelzer, you've seen Perrant really show up. And outside of them, you're starting to find your scoring in little places that at the beginning of the season no one would have thought. And with the goaltending starting to smooth out, and now you have three guys back there, even though Schmidt and Dawes swap places, you have a lot of options depending on what road you want to go. So it's they're in a better spot than they started the year. Yeah, I, I think so. And, I mean, life being a New Jersey Devils affiliate means that your roster is going to be like scrambled eggs pretty much right from the start of the season because it just seems like this is an organization, especially at the NHL level, that just cannot avoid injuries at all. And so, I mean, it's just been a jumbled mess uh, as far as rosters go because it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. And I think part of the problem for the Comets is, is they haven't had their roster together uh, long enough to create any kind of long, long-term long chemistry. I, I think you're seeing a lot of that. And, and when the when the, the rosters settle down a little bit, you notice they do play a little bit better. Um, and I think, you know, obviously Simone Nemich was going was gonna to be a huge part of the offense this season because, I mean, with uh, with Riley Walsh being traded away in the offseason, he was going to be the man, so to speak, that took over from the blue line. And now he's in New Jersey, and uh, Jordy, I don't think he's coming back. Yeah, especially with even if they do get those guys back, somebody else will probably get hurt and he'll he won't come back. No, no, and and you know what? Not for nothing, they drafted a number two overall. So if the, if it's going to work out for him at the NHL level, that's exactly where they want him, and he's doing very well up there. Yeah, and I mean that's been the case for one or two other guys too. I mean, haven't really seen Nolan here either or Pulte. Hopefully, was, it, after last year, he was kind of in limbo. Now he's with the big club permanently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and while Nolan hasn't played all year because he's been on uh, injured reserve. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, and that's just it, right? So, But, again, it's life in the AHL. That's going to happen. So, uh, tell you what, why don't we start breaking things down a little bit here? Let's take a look at that offense, first of all. Uh, so, they are 16th in the AHL currently with 3.13 goals scored per game. Uh, as far as shots, they are 26th. In the league, so they're like about fifth or sixth from the bottom. Uh, it's twenty-eight point four eight. You know, the comments I, going into this season, I don't think we were expecting any miracles on offense from this team, anyways. Yeah, looking at last year, I mean, coming out of it, the biggest takeaway everyone kept saying was the offense wasn't really there. And while you're seeing more production than last year, you're still at a spot. Where you're like, I'm not really confident in the offense, and that shows on the stat sheet. Yeah, and but I mean, it, it comes and goes in spurts. I mean, it seems anyways. I mean, they're riding a three-game uh, winning streak right now. Uh, but I, I do like what, uh, what like Brian Hellenin, now that he's, you know, back from injury, what he's bringing to the team. Uh, and you know what? I got to tell you something. Uh, Xavier Perrant has really exceeded expectations this season. Yeah, I mean, you watch Perrant, and I liked him coming into the season because I said this could be a guy that does – what you want out of a top six forward, and he's done more than that. He's done his fair share, and he's third in points, maybe first in assists among the whole team. And he, he's showing up. And I don't think anyone could have predicted him to be doing this well. And like you noted, Hallinan came off injury, and he's showing up nine goals, 13 – nine goals? Yep. Yep, nine goals, 13 assists. I wrote his – I don't think the 13 assist number looks right. Three assists. 
you can tell I, I haven't done a great job of writing, but nine, <laughs> nine goals, three assists, 12 points in 14 games. And those two have done a lot just recently. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, with Perez step up. And, you know, Ryan Schmelzer uh, has been, in fact, the de facto 1C for the Comets this season. And he's even putting up the numbers. I mean, he's got 10 goals, 18 assists, which I believe are approaching career highs for him. Uh, so when they get some time to uh, to gel together, they've actually done well, like I said. You know, you look at, like, Justin Dowling, who they brought in in the offseason. He spent some time in New Jersey. When he's there, he contributes. You mentioned Kyle Criscolo, same thing. He's also been been in New Jersey for a little bit. But, the, I mean, I think the big one that they're missing out of the offense right now is Max Willman, who is also still in New Jersey and has only played 20 games for them. But when he was there, he's got 16 points. So with that kind of production gone, it, it's got to come from somewhere else. Yeah, and this whole season's been about Going into it, we said you're going to have to find it, but no one really knew. Now you're kind of seeing those lower guys like, I mean, Stillman's not producing, but he's about where we expected him. Guys like that, they're just role players that it's someone could take that step up. And right now it's the best spot for anyone to come in and just step up and say, this is my spot now in the top six. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you, you make a very good point when you say it could be pretty much anybody that does that. Yeah, and that also is a testament to all the bottom six that have been jumping up and down, where you've had a few guys that are here for a couple games, someone gets healthier, comes down, they go back down to Adirondack, then they come back up for a couple more games, and they're back down at Adirondack. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is what, I mean, I honestly, I think they're right about where I was expecting them to be as far as the offense goes, because again, like I said, I was not expecting a top 10 offensive team this year anyways. So, you know, as long as you can get production from up and down the lineup, that'll at least keep them afloat. Uh, let's shift gears over to the defense. So the Comets are 20th in the league right now in, uh, They've allowed 3.25 goals per, uh, goals against per game, and they're giving up 30.08 shots per game, which is 19th in the league, pretty much middle of the road. You know, it, you kind of can see a, a pattern developing here, right? It, it's yeah. kind of middle of the road. <laughs> Keep your nose just above the water and, and hope for the best. Yeah, and obviously you've got your veterans like your Russos that just show up, and you, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a stable guy that will give you some leadership. Um, one guy I don't see much, and when I do, I, I'm never impressed. This villain, I haven't been impressed. Um, looking for him. His plus minus is minus one. That's a lot better than I thought it would be after coming out of playoffs last year or just how he played. But I, he still doesn't do enough to impress me when he's here. But other than that, the main core of the defense that's here, guys like Wallerspoon and Russo, they're doing their job. Hataka, they're all doing what they need to do. Yeah, you know, I, I I will give Land a little bit of leash uh, because this is his first year, really, in North America. I mean, you know, he played, what, two games in the playoffs last year. He came over late. Um, and he was also sent to Adirondack for a little while. So, I mean, he's been kind of, you know, he's been the guy that they put into a blunder and said, here, you're going to play here, you're going to play there, you're going to play here, you're going to play there. But in 23 games for the Comets, he's got 10 assists, which – you know, Robbie Russo in 40 has 12. 
Uh, I'm looking at Watherspoon in 39 games. He's got 10. So, Valant, it, you know, he has been contributing. I, I understand how the, the you know the plus minus minus one can be a concern, uh, but I, I want to kind of give him a little bit more runway than say you know just about anybody else. Uh, Santeri Hataka has actually contributed when when he's here. I mean, with this, like I said, with this whole mumbo jumbo that we have going on between the <laughs> between the comets and the and the devils uh he's produced he's got 10 points in 29 games uh daniel masula is 11 points 31 games um and not to mention just to add to it all with what happened with kel foot i'm really going to get into that but he's obviously not coming back but when he was here he was playing a lot of big minutes for the comets so that's another adjustment that they got to make yeah and Without losing someone like that, that brings that veteran experience that he was up with Tampa Bay for a, a while. Yeah, spent five years. That in that hurts. That really hurts if you're the Comets and you're going. What? You, you, they probably scrambled as soon as that happened. Going, what do we do now? Who's who's filling the spot? Right, right, exactly. And you know, I mean, fortunately, they do have veteran presence in in Watherspoon and Russo, but you're really looking at that back end being a lot of rookies now. Or second-year players. Yeah, and that's one of the spots where they're really young. And at times that can be very beneficial, and especially if you develop them right. But there's also moments where you're going, I wish I had that experienced guy here. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it all started right from the beginning of the season, right? Because Nemich was expected to take Riley Walsh's place, at least on the offensive end of it. I mean – you know, I, I liked Riley Walsh. I liked watching him play, but I mean, defensively, he was not the guy that you want to put out there when you're yeah. protecting a one goal lead. But he did provide a lot of offense from the blue line, which really helped him, especially on the power play. On the power mm-hmm. play, which we're going to get to in a second. But uh, yeah, I think at uh, at some point they got to get some time together to gel. Because that's another thing too, right? When you're a young player and you're playing in the second best league in the world, which is the AHL, you need time with your defensive partner to kind of figure out, you know, how the other one plays, right? It's it's not just a matter of, hey, we're just going to throw you two guys together tonight. Good luck. Because usually it turns into bad luck, right? So uh, I, I think that's been a, another big problem, like I said, right from the start, that they just – there's been so much roster shakeup. There's been no time to for even not, not not just the offense, but for the defense to develop any kind of chemistry at all. Yeah, and that is something I picked up on. And I've never been a fan of how they run their power play and their sometimes their PK. I'm always very critical of the system of their power play, but that's how New Jersey wants it. And one thing I always picked up on early season was you'd watch, for example, I can remember the exact play. Gamble would dump. And then Gamble would chase and Gamble would get to the puck before anybody else. Now they're getting to the point where they know you can kind of see that they know certain things that other guys are going to do. Right. But like you said, it's shifts. And a, a good comparison I can think of is UC men's. Now, usually with a team like that, they don't move lines around much. But this year, Gary's done a lot of moving of the defense and the offense. And you've seen that just like here when you move them around a lot, there's always going to be those issues of some guys don't know what other guys are going to do in a certain situation or where they might be. So it takes them longer to make that read or make that pass. Yeah. And you know what? Let's just jump right into that power play since we're talking about it. Uh, the good news is, is they no longer have the worst power play in the league. They've actually been very good over the past, 
oh, I want to say three, even four weeks, they had a streak there of like nine games, I think it was, where they got at least one power play goal. Uh, they're up to 16.6%, which is 25th in the league. You know, I mean, I know in the grand scheme of things, 16.6% isn't that good, but considering where they were, it's actually a market improvement. Yeah, at one point they were below 10%. Yeah. And when I looked at that number, I literally remember just putting my head in my hands and going, what? I, I see it. I would go to games and I'm going, I see why we're the worst power play. And now it's a little better. And I can actually go to games and go, are we going to score a power play goal this game? But it's a game by game basis. One game they're on and they're clicking the next game. It's like, there's not power play unit out there. <laughs> you know, it's funny too. You've like, you, you talk to, to comments fans when that, that power play drought was going on, they just wanted to get power plays back. Like, just don't call the pedal. Yeah. Just let it go. It's okay. Uh, but, you know, you, you talked about the power play with Gambardella, right, and how he would be the one that would dump in, chase, get the puck. I think one of the things that they've started doing differently is that they're finally just taking the shot. They're finally taking the yeah. shot because when they were in that drought, it, you, and you could tell the frustration settling it. I mean, there's just no if and or's or buts about that. You could see it. But they were looking for that perfect shot. They were looking for that highlight reel goal that, you know, they think is going to end up on SportsCenter and all that. But here's the thing. A goal counts the same whether it's pretty or if it's just downright grubby, right? And I think especially Hallinan coming back has really helped because he's the guy that's going to be – the guy's got a heck of a shot for starters. And he's the yeah, guy yeah. who's going to go in there. He's going to be physical. He's going to be a, a front, a net front menace. And believe it or not, same thing with uh, Xavier Perron. I mean, he's only what five eight, hundred seventy pounds, but he plays like he's six foot three, two twenty. So I think yeah. that with that, and if you and again, I, I, it's a broken record. I get it, but time for them to gel. Time for them to work together. I, I think that you're finally starting to see this really truly turn around. Yeah, and one thing I always picked apart early season, and th this goes back to last year as a problem or even the year before, you'd see him play around with it a lot in the neutral zone. And every time yes. I'd just sit there, I'd, I'd go from sitting up to sitting back, and I'd just go, yep. we're playing with it in the neutral zone. Yeah, it, I know. It's like they were just giving the other team time to get ready in defense. <laughs> yeah, and when they go in, it'd be pass, 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 low, up high to a, up to a point, cross it, no shot. Or they'd shoot it into a body. And that's – it infuriated me because I, I say all the time, we'll joke in 103 about the Pioneers that our power play sucks. We joke about it all the time. But then it turned into a running joke that all the Utica teams have no power play. Yeah, right, pretty much. But, I mean, I think the other thing that they're doing a little bit differently too and that's helping them – is that they're, you mentioned the neutral zone, which that really kind of reminded me, they're starting to hit the zone with a little bit of speed now too. Whereas before, yeah. and, I, and I see all teams doing this between the AHL and the NHL, where they'll skate the puck into the neutral zone and then drop it back to the trailer and let him skate it in. You know, I, I get it. That's yeah. like part of the modern game. Okay, fine. But to me, if you don't have a burner bringing that puck in, it's really counterproductive. And I've noticed yeah, like, that they've really stopped doing that and they're finally just saying, you know what, we're just going to carry the puck in and, and let's go. And that's something that, 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 again, it reminds me of the Pioneers. That's something they kept doing. They were so young that they would they would look for just the, only the perfect zone entry. Well, sometimes you just got to have a guy take it in and just straight ahead, go for it, open something up. Right. And that's what 
both teams have started doing. They've started to just say, instead of playing all these games and looking for like the perfect spot, just go in, set it up and get the best setup you can possibly get. Yeah. It's all that you need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's move over to the other side of the special teams and the penalty kill, which has been outstanding this year. Uh, if it's not at the top of the AHL, it's been near the top for, for quite some time now. Right now, they are second in the league at 86.2%, and they've got six shorthanded goals scored, which is eighth in the league. So, Jordy, why has this penalty kill been so good? Well, they play great because they have a lot of veteran guys that know how to play a defensive game. I mean, Russo and Schmelzer and who's the third I'm thinking of? Like a Gamble, Watherspoon, guys like that, they know this inside and out, and those usually are some of those guys are your main guys. You're like, that's the guy I want on my penalty kill because they can play a good defensive game. And they play it well. The guys they have on their PK play it well, and they play it smart and play the formation right. And that's all you can ask. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know who I'm thinking, too, is just made a huge difference with this penalty kill is Shane Bowers, the guy who came over in the Riley Walsh trade. Uh, he has been huge for them on the penalty kill. Uh, let's see. I'm looking it up right now. He's got two shorthanded goals. Six of his, He's got six goals on the season. Two of them are shorthanded. And to me, and I've said this before, and I'll probably end up saying it again because that's what I do. I just repeat myself all the time. <laughs> but anyways, uh, to me, he was the missing ingredient because you remember two years ago when Freddie Gauthier was with the team. Yep. And they were a shutdown team, especially in their own end and on the penalty kill, because you had a guy like Freddie Gauthier, who was a big, big center, who could win faceoffs, muscle the, the opponents off the puck, and do everything that you ask of them along the boards. They didn't have that last year, really. I mean, Schmelzer does play that role well. But, I mean, it was Freddie Gauthier was like the guy who was like the prototype for it. And now you go yeah. and get a Shane Bowers, who is basically just like him. And while you're giving up production from the blue line, it really tremendously helps your your penalty kill. So, like I said, I, and and people kind of look at me like, "What? Shane Bowers? He's no, watch the game because that's what he does. That's his game. He grinds people down, wins faceoffs when you need it, which is huge in your own end, obviously. And I and I think that that's been the missing ingredient for them. Yeah, and you watch Bowers, and I like to kind of, in a way, put him and Perrant in the same category of they're kind of a grinder-type player, but Perrant is more of your offensive kind of player of that style, and Bowers is the opposite. Bowers is the guy that you don't see on the score sheet, but you do see on the tape. Right. And that shows. He's the right type that they needed to kind of break up the mold of the centers they have, and it's working. And like you said, Schmelzer can play that role well, and part of it's because he's a veteran, but nothing compares to having somebody that big play that role because it just fits them naturally. Yeah, for sure. And I think with Schmelzer this year, they've asked more of him on, from off on the offensive end of it. So he's really got to be looking at, you know, now he's a top six forward. Whereas, you know, in, in previous seasons, he was a very good middle six forward and penalty killer. Well, now he's got another responsibility on top of it. So, and I think having Shane yeah. Bowers there really helps take the pressure off. And normally he, the last couple of years, he'd, like you said, he'd be your middle six center and he'd just be there to kind of, he'd be with the veteran line rolling. Just if you need something quick, if you need like a, 
a smart goal, he was your guy. And he was on a, he would be on a line with Gambo and with Holtz, and he'd do his thing. Right. But when you're bumping him up, you're asking a little more of him. You need him to play a more complete game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's uh, shift over to the, uh, the next component in all of this, which is, of course, the goaltending. Now, right now, the Comets have got three goaltenders on their roster. They've got Kira Schmid, they've got Isaac Poulter, and Eric Schalgren is back from injury. Uh, so Schmid came down, what was it, about three, four weeks ago? Yeah. They brought Dawes up, guys. and they, they, they you know, sent Schmid back. Um, I will say that the, the, the beginning of this season, it, Isaac Poulter doesn't play the way he did. The Comets would be in a much, much deeper hole than they are right now. And, 100%. And I, and I almost kind of feel sorry for him because, you know, he, obviously he's not getting the playing time that he used to with Schmidt being back down. And you know darn well that New Jersey wants Schmidt playing as much as possible because they want him to work through whatever it is that, that his problem is. And I, and I don't mean that as, you know, facetious. You know, it's, it's, it's just he struggled. Mm-hmm. That's why he got sent down to Utica, right? Yeah. So they want him working on that. But Isaac Poulter, whenever they put him in, does the job and he usually gets him a win. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, he's the only guy who's played better in terms of GAA. That's, I mean, Broder played two games and has the lowest, but that he's only played two games. Right. If it, Dawes has played a few and he's got a good GAA, but with how, with some of the stuff Poulter's endured, I'm surprised it's just at a two and a half. Yeah. And he's 12, five and one. He's the only goalie that's above 500. And he's got a nine one three, which is only second to Dozzy. Right, so right. he's putting up the numbers you could ask you more than you could ask of a guy that's on a team that's struggling offensively and has had moments where its defense is either beat up, called up, or non existent. Right. Right. Exactly. And especially when you think about it, he was not expected to he was actually expected to be in, in Adirondack. Right? Yeah, if you recall every- at the beginning of the season, they brought Shulgren in in the offseason. They're like, oh, there it is. There's the answer, right? And Shulgren, let's just put it this way, struggled mightily to begin with. Yeah. Uh, Dawes was still on. It, he was out until, uh, what was it, Thanksgiving? Right around Thanksgiving he came back, a little bit yeah. after, sometime in December, because he had that offseason hip, uh, hip surgery. And so Isaac Poulter really, really stepped up. And now Shulgren ended up getting hurt, and now he's back. Um, but again, like I said, I just don't see Isaac Poulter for as good as he's been getting the playing time that he really deserves. Yeah. And going into the season, we said, we have three goalies. What are we going to do with the goalies? <laughs> and Broder and Brendan go down to Adirondack and then it's like, okay, it's Shogren and it's Poulter. Now Poulter was up with the big club till like the very last cuts. And I remember noting that going, that means they either liked what they saw or something's up. And seeing it now in retrospective, they probably liked what they saw because he's that kind of solidifies the performance he's having right now. And in hindsight, it doesn't necessarily surprise me as much as it would have. And he makes a good, a good secondary in case Dawes goes up or Schmidt goes up and you have both of them up there or something happens, or in case they ever want to get rid of Vanacek or, or get rid of one of the young guys, if that ever happens. He can be your next guy. Yeah, you got to kind of wonder, too, because that rumor mill that's always so entertaining as it is uh, still has New Jersey on the hunt for a goaltender. Uh, you know, John Gibson's been linked to him. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, I heard, got linked to them. Uh, so you got to figure that there's going to be an odd man out. So 
if it's Vanacek this stays, you got to figure it's going to be Dawes or Schmidt that goes back the other way. Uh, you know, so that's that's going to be another whole story because obviously Vanacek's not going to get sent down to Utica, right? He's a, no. <laughs> he's a, he's on a one way contract. They're not going <laughs> to pay him four million dollars a year to play in Utica. That's just not going to no. happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be a very interesting uh, scenario to see how that plays out by the trade deadline. Yeah. And that was, I was a little worried about that last year of like, is there a chance that what they just say, we have too many young goalies. One of them goes here and it is possible. I mean, especially if they struggle by the deadline, it's possible, but I, I have a feeling at the moment they might stick with it and then say, we'll wait till the off season We'll see how the market happens, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah, another one I got heard linked to them was uh, Jacob Markstrom, former Utica Comet. So, <laughs> interesting. All right, like I said, we got 32 games left. They're in sixth place in the North Division. The uh, Probably not going to catch Syracuse or Cleveland. They've got too much of a head start. But looking at the standings, Jordy, they're three points behind third place Rochester. Uh, top five teams in the division make the playoffs again this year. So, really, despite all the bumps in the road, despite everything that you could say has gone wrong, they've still got a puncher's chance of getting in the playoffs. So, what are we looking at here for the rest of the season? Now, I'll just kind of give you my opinion. I think a lot of it, A, is going to depend on what New Jersey does at the trade deadline. I think that's going to be huge. And it's if the, if the Devils just kind of throw the towel in and say, we're not making the playoffs, we're not going to make a run this year, you may see some guys get called up again, right? If they decide they're going to go for it, you also run the risk of prospects getting moved. And I'm thinking more along the lines of like, a, I think Graham Clark's probably the best trade chip they got right now that I'm yeah. frankly surprised he's not in New Jersey. But with that being said, what do you see coming down the road? I think, like you said, it's going to depend a lot on the big club, who gets hurt, what's going to happen if a, lot, a few of the guys come back and they say, okay, well, where does this seventh or eighth D fit or extra forward fit? And it's also going to depend on just who, if the Comets stay healthy and then from there keeping their lineup intact for the rest of the season. And if they keep it intact, keep it mostly the same, they should be in the best position to make a run to make the playoffs. That doesn't mean by any means that they're going to make it, but they should be in the opportune spot. If nothing blows up in terms of injuries or trades, They, sh as long as they keep it somewhat together, they're fine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it's, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on, too, you know, Akira Schmidt, as long as he stays in Utica and he doesn't get traded, is going to get the bulk of the starts. If he can figure it out and get some consistency back into his game, that's going to be a big thing to do with it, too. Now, who knows? With this trade deadline, he could end up trading, getting traded. Maybe Dawes comes back. We don't know. We, we just don't know what's going to happen. But it's going to be consistency in that, and that, that that's going to be a huge thing, too. And another thing to keep in mind, you know, we talked about the defense corps and how young they are. One name to keep in mind, just remember I said this, Seamus Casey, the defenseman at University of Michigan right now who was a Devils draft pick. I think he might be turning pro. At the after the college season, and he is 20 years old, so he will be eligible to play for the Comets. The kid has been dynamite for the Wolverines. So that could bring another whole dimension to the Comets, depending on how quickly he adjusts to the AHL game. And don't forget about Josh Philman either. Remember how impressive he was in training yeah. camp? 
And everybody's like, oh, wow, this kid. Well, the problem was he was 19 years old and he was playing in the juniors, so he had to go back. It was either the NHL or the juniors, right? There was no in-between because of the rule. But by March, he's going to be 20 years old, and that could be another factor that plays into everything. Yeah, and you also never know, oh, we got this other college free agent that hit the market at the end of the season. We want him, and then the kid blows up. That's always also a possibility. Because, I mean, Friedman, guys like Friedman who are with the team right now, they go up and down and left and right. Right. They're, they're always there, and they're always looking for a spot. Yeah. And another thing that could really throw a wrench in it, and I like this more than moving Schmidt or Dawes, you move Vanacek, pull yeah. one or the other up. If I was New Jersey, I would do that because I don't love what Vanacek's doing. But – that would really throw the wrench in, but then you also get Poulter as the one, and then you're going, okay, who's the next guy to be the next guy after Poulter? Well, I think Adirondacks had like a carousel of goalies down there as well. I mean, uh, Brodeur, yeah. Brennan, Prepara. There was another one too, and I can't quite think of them off the top of my head. Uh, but you're right. In a perfect world, it's Vanacek to get moves. And I'm sure New Jersey would love it for cap space purposes. Yeah, that would open up a little bit, and then maybe they pay somebody, but <laughs> – that I don't know if that would happen. They're more likely to move like somebody off one of the first two forward lines and trade Vanacek. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Any uh, any other thoughts you want to let the fans know about? Not much, other than New Jersey st- probably hopefully stands less of a chance to make playoffs in the comments, but well. it's just me. Yeah, it's where plus we're... it means everyone comes down from New Jersey that can, and you have everybody ready for playoffs if they make it. That would be a bonus. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, in looking at it, you're you're one point out of a playoff spot right now because Laval's in fifth place with 42 points. Again, I said Rochester's third with 44. You know, Syracuse and Cleveland both have 52. I don't think they're catching those teams. I just don't think that's happening. Um, but again, I mean, and, and don't forget Belleville's in seventh place and they got 41 points. So that, that is, it's just a free for all in the North division right now for those, those last three playoff spots. So it's going to be a fun finish. The North will always be a fight to the end, no matter who's playing on what team. Yeah. And don't forget too, the Comets have got an extended road trip coming up at the end of the regular season, uh, because the women's IAHF tournament is in the, uh, at the odds. So that could play into it too. Uh, and again, I forgot to mention earlier. So at home, they're nine, eight, one, and three, and on the road, they're eight, eight, three, and zero. Oh. So it's <laughs> consistency rules, I guess. But uh, but yeah, so we will definitely see what's happening. Uh, we actually, uh, Central New York Hockey Report uh, contributor Tommy Berry has put up a preview of the Toronto Utica series, which is going to be going on tonight and tomorrow at the Adirondack Bank Center. So if you go to cnyhockeyreport.com to check that out, uh, you can get uh, Tommy's insight as to what's going to go on there. And like I said, we will do the crunch preview next week. I'm probably looking at Wednesday. So anyways, we uh, we appreciate everybody uh, tuning in and listening to uh, to our thoughts on the Utica comments at the halfway point of the season. Uh, we will be back next week, hopefully with one or even maybe more shows. Who knows? But anyways, Jordan, thank you as always for all your, your input. We really appreciate it. No problem. It's, uh, you know, it's about the little things. That's right. That's right. We got to get Jeremy back to remind us of that, too. Yep. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And we will see you next time on the Central New York Hockey Report podcast. Yeah.